Good morning and welcome to Morrison Hill Christian Church. I'd like to start this morning by saying thank you to several people. First of all, thank you to everyone who wore blue today in honor of Elliot and others who are suffering with AMC. The latest news about Elliot is good news. We're so thankful for that. But we're encouraging everyone this morning to continue to pray for him and to pray for others who struggle with this. And also, if God leads you to reach out to him and others in other ways than just prayer, we encourage you to do that as well. Also, would love to thank everyone who helped send us on the Lakota mission trip. We just got back yesterday morning, and we're thankful to be back. But it was an incredible trip, and we have a lot of wonderful stories to share with you. I'd love to thank all the people who prayed for us, all the people who gave so we could go. I also want to thank the people who went, Tim Green, Billy Kneerium, and every single other person who served. Everyone did such a great job. I'm really proud of them. It was a wonderful trip. But this morning, let's jump right into where we're all going, the trip that we're all on, the journey we're all on this morning, and that is trying to figure out how to tell the story, the story, the gospel story with our lives better than ever. At the beginning of the summer, we had a challenge that we issued to each other, which was this. Number one, pray. To pray daily that God would give us more opportunities and even a more greater desire to share his truth with others. Also that we pray specifically for other people and that he would give us opportunities to share with those specific people. We also challenge each other to tell the story, to take those opportunities, to make some for ourselves when necessary, but to share the truth with others. And number three, to live the story. You can't take someone somewhere that you're not going yourself. And we're, we've got to remember that if we're going to tell people these things we believe, try to convince them to believe them as well, that we've got to live this thing. We've got to experience it. We've got to be able to tell them our own stories as well as the story. So we're looking this whole summer, how do we tell the story with our lives better? And we're looking at especially how do we do that in specific situations. This morning we're looking at how to tell the story when they honor you. I love to watch biographies and documentaries in general, but I especially love to watch biographies and especially, especially love biographies about musicians because I love music so much. But as I've watched these over the years, I find all this cool information about how they were successful in music or whatever else the, that particular person was good at. But I've seen an alarming trend. And if you watch any of these stories or read biographies a lot, I think you'll see the same trend. It's really sad. And that's this. Most people who are incredibly successful in one area of their lives are unsuccessful in most of the other areas of their lives. That even people who are incredibly gifted and incredibly successful in music or sports or politics or whatever else they give their lives for, they find themselves suffering with addictions, depression, uh, failed relationships, and many other things that are just not at all what we would call successful or happy or good. I don't say this to in any way be judgmental. I'm just making an observation to point out something about not only them, but you and me. And that's this. We don't handle honor well without Jesus. 
It's hard enough to fail at something and to keep trying and keep trying when you're failing or not reaching the levels of success that you would like. But it's, it's equally hard. And we don't, most of us never succeed on a super high level, so we don't even get this. But uh, this is what I see. It's equally hard to, inc- to succeed, to get the number one hit in the whole world. How do you follow that up? To win the gold medal or multiple gold medals. How, how, do, you, how do you even deal with a silver medal after that? Or, or being the fourth guy in the race? Most people just can't handle it. They don't know what to do. They either respond with arrogance and all kinds of inappropriate actions in that direction, or they get depressed, or or there's just so many different things. The bottom line is we need help. As Christians, as well as human beings, we need help to know how to handle honor well. And as believers, here's where it has to start. We've got to understand that all honor ultimately comes from God. That anything that, the very definition of something being honorable has to come from God. The Bible clearly tells us that everything good and perfect and true ultimately comes from God himself. The psalmist who wrote Psalm 8 really got this. And this morning I'd like to ask you to stand and let's read this scripture together as a prayer to God. This is an act of worship as well as a statement of truth. And let's just read this together. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and clothed them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This same perspective on authority and honor and responsibility and success is all throughout the scriptures. We see it in the wisdom of Proverbs, where the writer writes, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 15.33, Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. We see this even more clearly throughout the New Testament. Everything from the Great Commission itself to the attitude that James showed when he wrote this. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change with shifting shadows. The biblical perspective of honor is not only consistent throughout, it's also consistent with the biblical perspective on truth. And that is simply, again, this. Ultimately, anything really good or really true comes from God. Any other goodness 
or any other truth has to be measured against the standard which God himself has given us. If we know something is true, it's because we have measured something that claims to be true, that sounds true, against what God has said in his word. If they match up, then we can say it's actually true. If we want to know if something is honorable, we measure what someone says is honorable against what God says is honorable. And then we know if it's truly honorable or not. And how we handle authority, how we handle honor, how we handle responsibility, how we handle success, and all of those things. We've got to measure not just how someone else tells us to handle that, but how does God tell us to handle that? And then we understand. Ultimately, this is just how we should look at everything in life, not just success or truth or any of those issues, but our faith itself is how we see the world. Our faith itself is the filter through which we understand everything. And if that's really not true about us, then we cannot really say that we are truly following Jesus, that our faith is what drives us, that we are really living the story. C.S. Lewis famously said that he believes in God and Christianity not, not just because he chooses to, but because it's how he understands everything else. In fact, here's what he said. He said he believes in it for the same reason he believes in the sun, not just because he sees it, but because, in his words, by it I see everything else. So this is what we're all called to do this morning. And I hope that as we do this, maybe some of you at least will have kind of an aha moment. But I, I long and I pray for something much more than that, that this will translate into action. Our, our passion this summer especially is to try to get really practical. How do you actually make this happen in your life? So at the top of your bulletin insert and on the screen is a statement. If you can remember this statement... Hopefully it'll help you remember all the other stuff that ties into that and explains that and applies that and help you actually put this into practice. How do we tell the story when they honor us? Here's how. Use your influence and experience to honor God and to empower others. Would you say that with me? Use your influence and experience to honor God and to empower others. That's it. That's the message. If you can remember that, you've got this. But let's dig a little deeper together. Number one, influence. It says to use your influence. No matter how hopeless and how helpless you may feel, if you are a human being this morning, if you are breathing this morning, then I've got good news for you. You do have some influence. You are made in the image of a creative and a powerful God. And he has given you the freedom to choose. Now there are some things that God does, some things the devil does, some things that other people do, some things that are just beyond our control and that's all there is to it. But we all have a choice about how to react to that. None of us can go back in time and change the things that we have done in the past or to erase or change the things that other people have done in their past or in our past. We can't do that. But every single one of us can change what we do right now. We can choose how we react to things and how we just act right now and then what we do next and what we do next after that. We all have that 
influence. Is that we have an influence over our own choices. We can choose what we do right now and what we do next. So you can at least, at least influence yourself. And maybe you underestimate your influence, but I guarantee you, you also have influence over the people around you. No matter how alone you feel or how small your circle of family or friends may seem to you, you do have a powerful impact on the other people around you. Your family, your friends, your enemies, strangers. People notice how you work. They notice how you face hard times. They notice how you face temptation. They notice how you handle it when others hurt you. That's why we've spent a lot of time already this summer unpacking each one of those situations. They notice how you handle it when they honor you, when they praise you, when they see you as successful, when they give you more responsibility. That's why we're spending so much time looking at that this morning. They notice everything. You don't realize it, but you have a lot of influence just going through life. People are watching. People notice how you drive. They notice. Believe me. I, I, I'm always nervous about putting Christian kind of stuff on the back of my car because what if I mess up? I know I notice and I don't like it when somebody cuts me off or does something incredibly dumb or incredibly rude and then I see the little ichthus fish on the back of their car or some sort of bumper sticker. You know the one I hate the most? I hate the one that says, God is my co-pilot. And if somebody, somebody in this room has that on the back of your car this morning, here, here's what I'd like you to do. I, I want you to know that I love you, but I'd also like you to go out right after this today and just scrape that off the back of your car. I hate that one. Here's why. At best, at best, we are the co-pilot. But if, if we really go through life, if we go through life believing that God is our co-pilot, we are missing the point of what we're talking about this morning completely. We're missing the point of life completely. We're missing the point of the gospel completely. To live the story is to put God in control, to make sure that he is the source of any honor, truth, any, excuse me, anything else that we would have in our life. It matters how you drive. It matters how you entertain yourself. I'm not being a conspiracy theorist. This is just, this is published fact. Somebody is tracking us all the time. They know through our cell phones and everything else, who we call, what we do, where we go all the time. Every single thing you do online is tracked and is used. Someone out there is watching it all the time. Somebody, even when you think you're alone, even when you think you're private, even when you're, no matter what it is, someone is watching you and you do have an influence you need to use that influence well. What you study, what you talk about all the time, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you spend your energy makes a real important difference. This whole summer, one of the stories we keep coming back to is the story of Joseph. Because by and large, this guy was an incredibly good example about how to use his life as a way to tell the story, to tell the truth about God. After years of faithfulness and situations he didn't even want to be in, Joseph eventually received a lot of authority and power. 
But looking at his life, I, I find a lot of hope. He, he was able to achieve success and honor even in situations he did not choose, even in miserable situations. He, as a slave, he became the leader of all the other slaves. In prison, he became the leader of all the other prisoners. And that may not seem much, but it's a whole lot better than being at the bottom of the totem pole, right? And finally, because he had done this his whole life, when he finally received some actual authority, some actual power, the actual ability to, to make some really good differences or, or to cause some serious damage, by that point, he not only had the ability to be wise, but he had a lot of experience to back it up. And the way he did that was at every spot of his life, he used his gifts he used his opportunities to honor god and to empower others to honor god and to empower others so we use our influence and we also use our experience now by experience i don't just mean your experiences but that's part of what I mean. Sometimes just sharing your story. Here are things that have happened to me. Here are some hard times I got through and here's how I did it. Here's some things that I've actually succeeded at. Here's some wins in my life and here's how that worked. Here's how I handled it. Here's how I got there. Uh, sometimes just sharing what has happened to you or what you have done is a powerful thing. But when we say to use your influence and your experience, it's much more than that. Your experience is what you do over and over. We learn by doing, and we all get better at the things that we do over and over. Some of us just get better and better at doing nothing. Sometimes even over a long weekend or a, a weekend or a week vacation or something, it's hard to get back into the groove. We very easily get good and get into a habit at doing pretty much nothing. But we also, thank God, are able to get better and better at anything that we do over and over. And the people, even the most gifted among us, those who are, something comes really naturally to them. They just naturally can do some things well. Even them, to, to reach an astounding level of success, to reach something truly honorable, truly praiseworthy, they have to put in a lot of time. They choose what to do, and they do it over and over. And when we do this along the way, we learn from our successes and we learn from our failures. How many of you this morning would say that you've learned probably more from your failures than you have from your successes? I know I have. I'm raising my hand. And yet we learn from all of that. We learn by experience. And we learn, the more we intentionally use our influence and our experience, the more effective we get. The higher the chances are that we're actually going to make an even bigger difference, a better difference, to be more successful, to do something even more honorable than we ever could before. I know not everyone is a huge fan of Marvel or DC or, or superheroes in general, but the Marvel Universe is, Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of taking over the world these days. So I know there's more of us out there, more superhero fans. But just for everybody else, let me, let me, let me at least give you a clue why we love these stories so much. Of course, we also, I'll admit my geekiness, we also like the costumes and the 
the cool powers and pretending what if I, that was me. We, we think it's really cool when they write the stories in a way that we can relate with these superpowered people somehow. Spider-Man is an incredible example of all of those things. But what we really gravitate to, I think what makes these stories so powerful, so enduring, is that they, they tap into real truth. When we look at some of the truth claims in these stories, the moral of the stories, if you will, when we balance those against scripture, they turn out to be actually true. And this is very definitely the case with Spider-Man. If you like Spider-Man, you already know this uh, very well. If you don't, you probably still do because it's such common knowledge these days. But in Spider-Man's origin story, his Uncle Ben told him this, with great power comes great responsibility. Does that sound familiar? That's what I thought. With great power comes great responsibility. And in his origin story, what happens is Peter ignores that advice, and because he does, Uncle Ben dies. Not even going to say spoiler alert, because it's been a long time since that story's been around. It's been out in a lot of versions, and he dies in every single one of them. But here's the thing. Spider-Man goes on from that point on, and everything else he does is driven by that. He understands from that point on that that advice was true. And that this power that he has, this great power that he has, is a requirement. It's given to him for a reason somehow. Because he has that power, he has a responsibility to use it well. With great power comes great responsibility. And this is the truth that is actually in Scripture that we're talking about today. When we're given honor... We've got to see it as an opportunity to do even better things and also as a responsibility. This is why Paul writes that we, are all, we must all use our gifts and work together as a single body, the body of Christ, to accomplish his will. It's why so many of Jesus' parables, all of these stories, so, so many of them were about someone who's entrusted with something and then they make choices, and then they're either rewarded or punished for what they did with what they had been given. Every single, not every single story, but so many of these stories that Jesus told. If you just read all of his parables, so many of them, that's the basic plot. You're entrusted with something. You're given some sort of power. Maybe it seems small to you. Maybe it seems small to the people around you. But if God gave it to you, it doesn't seem small to him. And maybe, maybe it is huge. Maybe it seems huge to you. Maybe it seems massive to everybody else around you. But if God gave it to you, regardless, he expects you to do something with it. And you're rewarded not with the greatness of what you did in your eyes or in other people's eyes, but with your faithfulness to be responsible with what he gave you. We see this most clearly in the example of Jesus Christ himself. If there was ever anyone on this planet who had incredible power and also incredible responsibility, incredible influence and experience, but used it well, used it perfectly to honor God and to empower others, it was Jesus Christ. One of the most common stories that almost everybody knows about Jesus is a perfect example of that. In John 13, when Jesus first instituted the Lord's Supper, 
right before the Passover meal and the Lord's Supper and that whole celebration with his disciples, he washed their feet. I know you've heard this story before, and we only have so much time, so I'm not going to walk you through that whole story. I encourage you to go back and read it. But let me tell you what he said at the end. He said, if I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, so you also should wash one another's feet. In other words, that, excuse me, in other words, our responsibility is not just to do great things, but to empower others to do great things. That we honor God by our attitude, even in our success, even when other people acknowledge us as a Lord or master in any possible way, we turn that around to honor God even more and to empower them. And I guarantee you that somewhere down the line, years later, Peter and John and all the rest of them, somebody had to have said, wow, you are such a powerful teacher. You are so powerful. These miracles you can do. They, there had to have been some things where people were honoring them. And I guarantee you that some way, somehow, their feet tingled. And they were remembered. They, were, they remembered and were reminded how to handle that honor because of how Jesus did things. Thank God Jesus didn't just give us commands. He modeled them. He showed us exactly what it looks like to honor God and to empower others with the influence and the experience that we get. So how exactly do we honor God and empower others? Well, first off, we, we just have to figure out ways to multiply our efforts. Instead of trying to figure out ways to multiply our own fame, our own awards, or try to get people to praise us even more, to get even more responsibility, if we really want to honor God and empower others, we've got to focus on empowering them. Another story we keep coming back to this summer very intentionally is that of Desmond Doss. He was the first conscientious objector to receive the Congressional Medal of Honor, the highest military honor there is. Sounds like a total impossibility, and yet he did it. He did it because he believed in the cause. He believed that the war needed to be won by our side. He believed that World War II was important, that the Nazis needed to be defeated. He, he believed this with all his heart, but he also believed that God had convicted him personally, that he was not allowed to take someone else's life himself, and he was not allowed to even touch a gun. And he was just as committed to that as he was willing to enlist. He willingly enlisted into the army as a medic and just refused to do any of the other stuff. He had no problem with it. In fact, he supported them. He was there to support them as they fought, picked up guns, took lives. He believed in the cause, but he did this. It just blew everybody's minds. It's a great story in... Um, you, should you should read about it or watch the great movie Hacksaw Ridge. But here's what I'd like to really focus on in these last few moments this morning. Because of his example, many other conscientious objectors were inspired to try and enlist and do this. Many other people, it's a small group of people compared to the majority of everyone else in the country, of course. But there were several people who had 
didn't feel like they could participate in violence for whatever, else, whatever convictions or beliefs they had. They could not do this, but they did love their country. They did love their fellow person and want to help save them or rescue them when they were injured. And so they, they did this. And since Desmond Doss did what he did, he not only did the great, amazing great things in his own life, but he inspired many other people to follow in his footsteps. And there's been several conscientious objectors since his life that have received a Congressional Medal of Honor doing the exact same thing he did. So because he was true to his convictions, he honored God. Because he, he did this in such a way that he really did honor God and it wasn't just about himself, he was able to multiply his efforts to empower others. It's a great example. And it's exactly the kind of thing that Jesus Christ was saying when he said this. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's read that one more time together. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Use your influence and your experience to honor God and to empower others. That's pretty practical already, but I, I'd love for this to get so personal and so practical. I want to give you something that you do. So let's, let's fill in some blanks together, and I'd love for you to either write it down this morning yourself or to take this home and really think, think, think about this and pray about this and try and make this happen in your life. First off, finish this sentence. I will use my influence with blank to blank. In other words, we already established this. You do have influence. Maybe it's just what God's convicting you about this morning is influence on yourself. Maybe it's something that you just realize, I do have a power to make some choices. I'm going to use that influence to make this choice. Maybe it's just about you, but it's probably about you and someone else. It's probably going to be the thing he wants you to do. It's probably about something that you're doing with someone else. Someone else you have influence over. Whichever that is, I'd like you to write down a specific person, a specific situation. My family, my team, my fellow students, whatever it is. I will use my influence with blank to, and then put an actual action there. Something that you really believe you could do this. And if you did it, it would honor God and it would empower those you have influence over. One more time, we're going to do the same thing except with the idea of experience. Fill in this blank. This blank. I will use my experience in blank to blank. In other words, you all have experiences. We all have experience in something. We've all gotten good at something. We all have the potential to get better at it. Whatever it is that you are good at, whatever it is you've spent time getting better at, write that down. And then say, how are you going to do that this week? How are you going to do that thing that you have experience in? How are you going to use that experience to honor God or to empower someone else? If you can fill in that blank and you can actually do that, you're going to make an incredible difference. You are going to tell the story when they honor you. So this is a challenge that I'm offering to you this morning. 
Whatever God is telling you about this, from this message, this is what I'm asking you to respond to. But we never, we never have an invitation time where we don't at least open it up for people to join our church or to join the kingdom of God for the first time to come back to Jesus or to just ask for prayer or to share publicly one of the decisions that God has put on your heart. This morning you could share what you're going to use your influence or your experience for. You're welcome to come and share that this morning. But whatever God is asking you to do as we stand and sing, as we tell him through song, I love you and here's me submitting to you one more time. Would you make that choice and would you commit to it? Let's stand and sing.